You know it. Oh, God. Jesus Christ, that's what all I have. Our little boy is all grown up tonight. And you know what, big boy? You're grown up. You're grown up. Yeah, I did that. Is this a fucking protection for you? Because you're grown up and you're grown up and you're grown up. I'm the asshole in the boss place, right? I'm the asshole. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And I like this episode. I do like how it kind of... Swerved? It starts with immediately backtracking what happened last episode. A thing I hate. A thing I hate. And then it immediately backtracks the backtracking. Yeah, when we started, I was so mad at this episode. Uh, This is episode six, by the way, of season seven, Wake Up Call. Mm. Which is good because this is the episode where regina's memory comes back yay regina finally wakes up spoilers for later in this episode Woo! kind of a spoilery title though yeah i guess so so as a reminder uh they are under a new curse which has trapped them in hyperion heights a neighborhood in seattle that is allegedly sort of secretly run by the super rich woman uh victoria belfry who is actually lady tremaine Except, increasingly, as we were seeing over the course of the season, not. Yeah, it turns out the whole time this has all been run by Ivy or Drizella, the evil stepsister who is topping from the bottom, as we say. Yeah, we found out she was up to something last episode that she knew more than she was letting on, and this episode we find out how much more she knew. Also, recap, Hook is looking for a missing girl who disappeared ten years ago and he's been obsessed with the cold case. And Henry and Ronnie found a photo of Regina and Henry back when Henry was Jared Gilmore back in season one or two-ish. I guess two-ish because they're happy. Do you think this is a cast photo? Because it's a really young Jared Gilmore. It is a young Jared Gilmore. I'm not sure when this was taken. You'll notice in the photograph, and we move immediately into Henry and Ronnie looking at the photograph... Uh, you'll notice Henry's holding the Tron lunchbox that he got early in season one in the photo. Mm. And I'm just looking at the photo closely because Henry says this is a scene from his book, but it's just a mother and son standing on a street and, and not even a really distinctive street. They're not even like in front of grannies or anything. Well, there was, well, I'm sure there are scenes in his book where two characters are standing on a street. I just... I just, well, Henry says that clearly Victoria photoshopped this to look like the two of them from a scene from his book with him as child Henry and Ronnie as the evil queen. And Ronnie's like, that doesn't really change the fact that this has never been the way I dressed and also what the fuck? Except she doesn't say that. She just says, why is Victoria fucking with my head? And then she grabs a baseball bat, because she's going to go mess with Victoria's head. Yeah, and Henry references it being clobberin' time. Wow. Uh, Did, I don't, did Marvel get the rights to Fantastic Four back at this point? I don't think Disney owned Fox yet when this was shot, no, no. So this is that weird thing where Once Upon a Time keeps on referencing Marvel properties that Disney doesn't own. Okay, here's the question, though. 
is this a reference to Marvel properties or is this a reference to Henry in universe being a Marvel fan? Hmm. It could be there. Are, I'm no, there's not a lot, but there are two very distinct Marvel references in this episode. I was going to wait till it came up the next time, but yeah, this is just the episode where people make Marvel references at Ronnie for some reason. But Henry convinces Ronnie to not go bash in Victoria's brains with a baseball bat. Although I feel like that would bring a pretty definitive end to the curse. I mean, not given what we find out this episode. Well, I mean, given what we find out is the impetus for this particular curse, I feel like Victoria would kind of, uh, murdering Victoria would kind of rob the curse of its purpose. It definitely would, but I don't know if it would end it. Mm. So... Jacinda comes in and she's like, hey, Ronnie, uh, Sabine and I got a food truck last episode, except actually it's just a regular truck, so we need to use uh, tools to turn it into a food truck. But I sold all of my tools to buy the food truck. It's a real gift of the Magi it's a situation. Real oh, Henry moment going on here. Do you have any tools I can borrow? And Regina's like, yeah, yeah, I got tons of tools. Okay, then Regina hands her a television style toolbox like not a real toolbox like you see my toolbox is actually sitting on that shelf there you see it it's the yellow thing Mm -hmm. that's what toolboxes look like they don't look like these old 1950s style it's a red metal box and regina says ronnie says that will have everything you need inside that is not big enough to have everything strongly doubt that i think you could fit maybe One hammer and then smaller instruments around the hammer. Also, she needs tools to fix a car. These are Ronnie's tools for, like, dealing with shit that goes wrong in the bar. It's a totally different skill wrench set. Hmm. Hmm. You think it's all just, uh, what do you call those little wrenches you get from Ikea? It's just all Allen wrenches? It's just filled with Allen wrenches? Yep. I... Love that idea. I need somebody to do that as a joke on a sitcom where they like open a toolbox and it's just all Allen wrenches. So Jacinda very pointedly does not talk to Henry. She takes the tools and she glides past him out the door. Yeah, Henry's like, I'm pretty good with engines. And she's like, oh, does anybody hear anything? It sounds like the wind, but that couldn't be because I'm in a bar. Okay, bye. And Henry's like, yeah, she's kind of mad at me because she found out I went out you know, with Ivy for drinks. He didn't have sex with her. Jacinda doesn't know that. But also, Jacinda shouldn't be mad about that. Mm. But I guess maybe she should. Okay, from I thought we were getting romantic and now you're being romantic with another woman, so I'm going to be unreasonable about it position. She's not being reasonable. But from a... Ivy is literally Victoria's daughter and we're trying to take down Victoria what are you doing standpoint. She's being perfectly reasonable. I mean, isn't the honeypot sort of a basic go-to thing in this sort of situation? Yeah, I guess so, but still, I I guess so, but Henry's not an insider, you know? He's just some guy from another neighborhood, so it would make sense to assume that he was betraying them more than anything else. Maybe it's because I didn't do a lot of city living. But... Do people really not trust people outside of their neighborhood? I mean, I feel like my friends group, well, back when I first lived in a city, my friends group was all based around us all going to the same college, so. Oh, 
well, yeah, no, I mean, not like another neighborhood, like the people, not like another neighborhood, the way people from the South don't trust people from the North, but you know, he doesn't have a vested interest in taking down Victoria like mm. the rest of them. Well, yeah, point. I was going to say she had him beaten, but I guess that, uh... I mean, she had him mildly roughed up. He's fine. At Jacinta's daughter's $550 dance recital. You are so, like, keyed into how much that dance recital cost. How honked off would you be if you had to pay $550 to see your kid dance? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be doing that. I, I... Yeah, I'd be honked off. I'm not even thinking about Jacinda there. I'm thinking about all of the other parents. Oh, yeah, no, I knew you were. Yeah, all the other parents who sent their kids to recital, you know, who sent their kids to dance class, and now they have to pay to go to the recital. It's like you barely want to go to the recital anyway. You only want to watch your kid, and you have to sit through this two-hour thing. Ugh. Yeah, I feel bad for all the crap my parents had to sit through when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, I was in a bunch of courses, and I was not a good singer. I did a lot of... uh theater stuff so my parents had to watch a lot of middle and high school theater Uh, i would have done more uh theater stuff in high school but my high school did a production of Macbeth that stops about 40 minutes in because that was all the time they had to rehearse i don't even understand that it just literally stopped 40 minutes in they got to God, I guess Macbeth became king, and then they were just like, and it's over now. It's so weird. Like, I'm like, you do a different, easier play. You rehearsed the whole thing, I'm guessing, except apparently not. Also, yeah, that too. That's not how you rehearse. Oh, that's so weird. So weird. Okay, yeah. back. My, okay. my my theater program in high school was so bad. I, I did not do anything because otherwise, I definitely would have been a theater kid. But I had a great theater program. Yeah, you had, like, lighting and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I actually did lights. It was kind of my thing in, guys, in, in in high school. You guys had an actual theater. We did, we did. Although, if you turned the stage lights on and the house lights at the same time, you did blow a fuse. I went to a magnet school. We uh, did not have... Not only did we not have our theater, we had a basketball team... But no other basketball teams could play basketball with us because our court was not regulation size. Oh, God. And I was like, it has to be, like, just this much smaller. I'm holding my two fingers kind of close together. Because it seemed like it was a normal size for basketball. Uh, Not that I have a ton of experience with that. But we could only do away games because of that. Well, the thing about my school is it's not just that we had a real theater, which we did. We did have a decent theater. But also that we had a really great theater sponsor who was at the same time helpful but hands-off like we the students literally ran the whole thing and did everything and she just supported us which was perfect is that how you got away with that one play that got banned later oh man that play got so hardcore banned and oh i thinking about it now because you'll remember i went to school pre-columbine mm-hmm and it ends with a shooting. It was, oof. It was really good, though. Yeah, I mean, that's why, uh... But we did get shut down after our first night. Which is a shame, because we were amazing. But, 
also our, our but also the teacher let us do things like um when we were doing a play and I, I wanted a, a gobo for the light and obviously our school didn't have the money to be like ordering theater equipment for us so I researched how to make them out of pie tins and she just was like okay you seem to know what you're doing make gobos out of pie tins and do it and I did hmm. it was great I feel like other teachers wouldn't have let us do that no you remember that thing Jay set up for uh, his Havoc costume? Yeah. That seemed, I mean, it, w- it looked so cool, but it seemed so dangerous as far as jerry-raking uh, home lighting systems. Oh, no. Okay, here's the thing. Every person who's done theater is familiar, at least, with that kind of special effect because we have all done... That play that I feel like I can't say the name of anymore, because it's a slur. Oh, uh, the one about the fancy lady stripper? Yes, the one about the, uh... I'm electrifying and I'm not even trying? Yeah. So, once upon a time, we cut back, speaking of tools, to Henry teaching Ella how to fix, uh, his motorbike back in old-timey times, or fairy tale land. Yeah. And he doesn't have a toolbox at all, by the way. He's using his old Tron lunchbox as a toolbox. So he has even fewer tools. I do not see how the socket wrench that Ella is holding fit into the lunchbox. It definitely didn't. It absolutely did not. But I guess that's why it's in their hands. This, by oh, by the way, Henry makes a reference to Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance while they are maintaining his motorcycle, which I just feel like I want to bring up because... Uh, it's another literary reference, and I just love when Once Upon a Time throws in random literary references in addition to the fairy tale and folktale references. Yes. So, a bunch of roughs come up and they're like, ah, it's you, the man with the magical horse that goes fast without being a horse. And he's like, and you're here to kill us both and take it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we are. And he's like, Haha, no. I do, I love the chemistry he has with ella here oh my god he just like he just holds out the wrench and she just takes the handle of it and no words are spoken but they both know that she's gonna bash some roughs head in with this wrench it's great because he does it while he's talking to the roughs who are here to you know kill him and take the motorcycle he's just casually talking to them as he's casually handing this off to jacinda and you know she goes to town on the head thug she just pow yeah no okay great it's great that they take these three guys down but i have to know what did they think was gonna happen when they ran out of gasoline like they came upon henry and ella doing maintenance on the bike they're gonna kill these two and have no idea how to maintain the bike it's gonna take them like 10 miles and then they're gonna be screwed yeah wait until they finish fixing it to kill them also i mean i really don't feel like this is worth the investment like, the murder investment. Yeah, it's not that great. Also, where is Henry getting gasoline from? It's magic gasoline. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we, we talked about this with his phone still works. and Yeah, yeah, I guess. I guess. So, it's great. Jacinda's using the socket wrenchy thing to take out the guards. And Henry can't get to his sword so he just starts wailing on them with the lunchbox yes he starts wailing on them with the tron lunchbox which reminded me when i was in school metal lunchbox were banned for this exact reason oh 
I had a metal lunchbox back in middle school, I think. Yeah. It was really cool, but I was also very aware that I could probably kill someone with it. Yeah, like, the old ones were no joke. Like, metal lunchboxes now, which are mostly a novelty that people use as, like, purses. Actually, I'm dating myself by saying that. That was, like, in the 90s. Mm. But those metal lunchboxes are, like, flimsy. It'll break before someone's head does. But the old school ones, you could do some damage with. Oh, I might be getting this wrong, but I'm pretty sure mine was from Restoration Hardware. So it was, like... A serious piece of metal. Oh, it was like for construction workers sitting on a beam eating their lunches. Yeah. Yeah. So Regina runs up. Oh, yeah. I didn't mean to disparage your lunchbox. I assumed you had an old school hardcore metal lunchbox. Yeah. Although it was it was more hipstery referencing. <laughs> Would you say Restoration Hardware's thing is just being like workman hipstery? Yes. I had never thought to categorize restoration hardware before but yes that's exactly what it is or or practical practical hipster no no it's more like no no i think workman hipster is the right way to put it because practical hipster implies that the things in restoration hardware have a practical use and they do not uh yeah that's true so while henry and ella are beating up these interlopers Regina shows up and pops a fireball, but then she gets blue fireballs because... Oh my. No one needs her. Yeah, it, it's great because she runs up and she does the, get away from my son. And Henry's like, no, mom, it's cool. We got this as he's, you know, beating a guy to death with a lunchbox. Yeah. And she's just kind of standing there awkwardly with the fireball as the fight scene finishes, as the fight scene wraps up. Now... As long as we're here, I know that it's very, very early in the podcast to talk about Fashion Corner, Mm -hmm. but we cannot let this pass. Can we talk, please, please, about what Regina is wearing? All right, but I want to lead into it with uh, something. Oh, by all means. So uh, there's a video uh, content producer I like on YouTube who was doing a series of videos about the short-lived live-action Mortal Kombat uh, TV show. Okay. Mortal Kombat Conquest, which stars, uh, you might recognize the main character as the guy who played uh, the prince in Brandy Cinderella. Oh, okay. I mean, I probably wouldn't, but okay. Yeah. So, now Mortal Kombat is a franchise that's mostly known for two things. Being hyper, hyper violent, and also for being... yes aggressively sexual they've backed off that in the past couple of games because i guess they've realized that it doesn't reflect well on them as a franchise i mean it's a franchise about murdering people in super gory ways but it's weird when you have a woman who's she's one of the main characters is a policewoman and her police uniform has underboob so they've spent the last couple of games kind of backtracking how all of the female characters are dressed that's fair that's fair but the tv show had neither the budget nor the permission to do hyper violence because it was you know a tv show Uh uh-huh so instead they went full star trek enterprise and just leaned really really hard into being softcore porn okay i think you have a weird idea what star trek enterprise is but okay Isn't it mostly just, like, Scott Bakula showering with some Vulcan lady? Okay, that's one scene from the first episode. I was given to understand that's, like, a good 40% of that show. (laughs) That show is not nearly as horny as you think it is. 
okay. <laughs> but, uh, yes, I, I have limited experience with Star Trek Enterprise. But, anyway, Regina is dressed like a character for Mortal Kombat Conquest. She's wearing this very weird adventurer S&M outfit. Okay, see, I thought she looked like she would be not out of place in Xena Warrior Princess. Yes, yes, she could be a warlord in Xena. I feel like Xena also did kind of lean into the, the show is basically softcore porn. Yeah, she's got the black leather warrior skirt thing going on. I thought you were going to say the black leather warrior bustier. She also has that. Also, she has these little, like, daggers braided into her hair. Like, she's some sort of, like, evil Daenerys. Yeah, and she's got, like, leather strappy things up her arms. Yes, and she's not wearing it in this scene, but in a later scene when she's wearing the same outfit, she wears one of those capes where it drapes only across one shoulder. Mm -hmm. Also made out of black leather. Like... This is not a look we've seen from Regina at any other point. I I mean, I don't have to say she looks great, right? We understand she looks great. Yes, she looks amazing in this. But what is happening? What kind of, like, midlife crisis is she going through that this was what she decided to buy and wear? Also, it gives... The fact that this is how what she's wearing in this scene gives it some real weird Oedipal undertones. Yeah, because she's looking super sexy, and the whole episode is about how, like, maybe her and Henry's relationship is different now. Well, it's about how it's evolving, and now that he's an adult man, he needs her to rescue him less. It's not that he doesn't need her anymore, as we'll find out at the end of the episode. It's just that the ways that he needs her are different now that he's an adult than they were when he was a kid. As you... When he was a kid who was being kidnapped all the time. As you would expect. I just, I feel like there was a makeover montage with Regina with the resistance that we missed. It's sort of weird because the, the, the other outfits she's been wearing in the fantasy land have been like the good queen adventurer outfits. Yeah. And this is taking a real swerve. It's, it's a, she took a shot. She took a shot. Also, I don't think that the sort of low-budget sci-fi fantasy softcore porn genre really exists anymore. Oh, uh, I'm I'm almost certain that's not true. I think you just think that because we cut the cable, so we only watch things that we choose to watch on a streaming service, and we don't stumble upon late-night sci-fi stuff. All right. I, I also want to walk that back. I said porn. I mean, I meant softcore TV. That is a was basically, you know, a stand in for that sort of thing. Were you a tween boy in the late 80s, early 90s? Yeah, no, I, I gotcha. I gotcha. Your uh, Beastmasters here and whatnot. I, I think those are still being produced. I just think we don't get the sci-fi channel anymore. I guess there's a lot of content out there. I just feel like I'm less aware of that sort of, like, everyone wants to be prestige TV now. You don't really get that schlocky stuff. Okay, also, I feel like you're discounting how many boobs there are in Game of Thrones. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. Now people are like, oh, I can, uh, if we're going to do this, we have to do it classy. I mean, I... I... Game of Thrones is prestige TV, right? Yeah, it is, but also, like, there's a lot of nudity in it a lot of boobs 
Yeah, but it's not like, uh, uh, it's not like, you know, all those 90s shows where they're like a third-rate Xena ripoff where you've got a bunch of Canadian women in fur bikinis and it's like, Ula, time priestess. Okay, here's the thing, though. It is. It's just pretending it's too good to be what it is. It's still that. <laughs> it's it's Ula, time priestess, but with actual actors and yeah, higher they, budgets. They just tricked better actors into doing it by saying, it's not television, it's HBO. Do they still do that? Do they still use that phrase? I don't know if they do anymore. But yeah, no, they just tricked really good actors into taking their clothes off. It's still just, you know, Emmanuel goes to dinosaur land. I feel like we kind of lost the thread here. Uh, Regina is feeling kind of sad because Henry did not need him, because Henry did not need her to save him from being brutally murdered by thugs. Which I think would probably be a good thing, but... Well, definitely a good thing, because, you know, he can take care of himself and she doesn't have to worry about him getting killed, which is good, because that means he'll probably eventually come home. I like how she has a tiny little dagger. <laughs> like, when are you going to use that, Regina? Come on. Okay, okay, so, when I first started playing Diablo, mm-hmm. I was a tabletop role-playing game player. I'm going to tell a story that may mean something to some of our listeners, but you, but not to you. Okay, I played a little Diablo. And you played a little tabletop. Mm. Okay, so in tabletop, if you're a wizard, you can't wield weapons for the most part. Mm -hmm. When I was playing Diablo, I was playing as a sorceress because I wanted to. And I wasn't wielding any weapons because I was so ingrained in tabletop that I just assumed I couldn't use weapons. And then, you know, a friend of mine is watching me play and she's like, why don't you use a sword? And I'm like, wait. My character can wield a sword, even though she's magic. And my friend was like, yes, of course. And I was like, oh, shit. This changes everything. I just imagine Regina having that moment when she picked up that dagger. Uh, isn't there an order of the stick that's kind of about that? Like, it's uh, the wizard in the group uh, is out of magic. And uh, the fighter guy hands him i think it's a cudgel and he's like i can't use this and the fighter guy's like you can use a staff and he's like yeah but i can't use a cudgel and the fighter guy's like they're essentially the same thing and he's like well, no one one of them's one of them's a, a fighter weapon and the other one's not and he's like they're both sticks yeah no it's exactly that moment and it was exactly that moment too because my friend who was watching me play was watching me in the middle of a fight and i ran out of magic so it's just like running around in circles avoiding enemies while waiting for my magic to recharge and then she was like you can kill him with a sword while you're waiting for your magic to recharge remember that one time regina threw a knife at Zelina's face <laughs> oh regina i really wish the season had ended there <laughs> So, uh, Regina sadly watches Henry ride off into the sunset with Ella. Because he doesn't need her anymore. But he, I mean, it's, it's a good moment, though. Because he's growing up, and that's what happens. Sunrise, sunset. Easily go the years. Speaking of easily go the years, uh, I guess this isn't really good lead-in. Victoria has a major hangover back in modern days. Yes, she actually has a migraine. Ivy comes in, and she's like... I have a migraine because you gave me aspartame, which is true. Aspartame is a nightmare. Mm. And Ivy's like, oh, mother, maybe it's these hyacinthas instead. Can I take them away? And Victoria's like, as long as you go with them. I do like the idea that Ivy set up what goes down, particularly her being uh, 
Victoria's assistant, mostly so that she can mildly poison her. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! Like, her whole end game. like, later on in this episode, she has this whole speech about how she was going to trap Victoria in this world, and she was going to plant a seed of pain in her life, and then the pain would grow and grow until her life was nothing but pain. And that seed of pain was sweet and low. Because... Because Victoria's like, you did this to me. You you know I can only have real sugar. And she's and I was like, I gave you real sugar, mother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, Ivy takes the Hyacinthas up to Mother Gothel. We're still assuming. Yes. That lady in the tower. Yes. And she tells Ivy that... The Hyacinthas have a tiny little bit of belief, but she needs more. It has a tiny little bit of the magic that she needs, but she needs more magic for the thing that Ivy wants. And she also needs dirt. Fertile ground in order to make the magic grow. Yeah. It's very John Denver. (laughs) She tells Ivy to, you know, be strong. They're going to get their revenge. She just needs to wait and... She tells Ivy to do that thing she taught her, which is to close her eyes and imagine death raining down on her enemies. And she's like, be strong and also be wary. Victoria is not the only enemy you need to look out for. Yeah. Mother Gothel tells her what everyone knows, which is look out for Regina because she will fuck you up. Specifically, she's like, I don't think giving Regina that photo was a good idea. She's gonna, you know figure some shit out she's gonna be a problem speaking of regina henry comes into the bar and he's like i found out how jacinda found out about my night with ivy yep it turns out ivy went crazy on instagram just posting a whole shit ton of pictures of them together hashtag drunkoween so I couldn't I couldn't read that. Could you see what their fake Instagram is called? I couldn't. It really looks just like Instagram. But it's a different color and picture this. Uh but it's oh my god. Oh my god. What? Look Okay. They're in It's not Instagram though. It's it's their version of Instagram. Yeah, like Swift is their version of Lyft. Which is called picture this, but it's actually picked like a picture your like belonging to you, this picked your this. Wow, does picked that your this? That's that does not roll off the tongue. That's not gonna. Also, like, you know, in Instagram, it's like you could say like you c- you can abbreviate it to Insta or to Gram. Yeah, you have picto, picked or just this. Like, oh wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely this this moment. What I like about the... Do it for the this. God. (laughs) I feel like Instagram stole that from Vine after Vine Oh, yeah, they totally did. Yeah. I feel feel bad for Vine people. That was such a cute format. Vine was a great format and nothing has replaced it. Snapchat is actually kind of trying to replace it, but it's, Uh, it's not the same. It's true. I saw, like, I didn't really experience Vine until... It was already dead. Until it was already dead, but... I saw a bunch of these, like, there are kids, high schoolers, who did, like, full fucking movies in six seconds. Vine was a, no, Vine was a great 
Yeah, no, Vine was great. It's R.I.P. It, Vine. I think it's one of those things where there are some people who thrive really well under very certain parameters. And the whole six-second movie thing was just a really good idea for, you know. For a site, yeah. I agree. And, like, it made money. Yeah, I... I don't want to. I don't want to get into the politics of various social media things and how well, some people think that they understand pe- certain types of social media, and then they like ban nudity on Tumblr and completely destroy it. Like, I, let's let's not get into it. I love how thoroughly that tanked Tumblr. Of course it did, but I mean, oh, I mean. I don't get what the thought process was there. Well, I mean, obviously it was a Fausta Sestra thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's let's go to the more pleasant fictional gentrification of Once Upon a Time. Yes. So, Ronnie does not trust Ivy. Ronnie's flipping through the pictures on... Picture pic- this. Picture Picture this. this. And she's like, this is why I'm not on social media. I also like how Henry kind of doesn't look like he's having fun in any of these pictures. No, it totally looks like a hostage situation. And she's put the most, like, obnoxious hashtags on everything. Hashtag Drunkoween! Like, no, Ivy, no. So, Lucy comes in because she heard about the picture from Ivy, and she's totally Team Ivy now. Not in that she thinks her dad should be banging Ivy, but... In that she thinks Ivy might be a powerful ally. I really like how this is twisting the Henry stuff from early on. Because Henry was basically always right about who was on his side and who wasn't. Whereas Lucy might be trusting the wrong people. Which also kind of helps her be more likable than season one Henry. Yeah, because she's not a know-it-all kid like season one Henry was. She's just trying to do her best like everyone else in the world also i really like her owl sweatshirt it's very cute it's i was noticing her owl sweatshirt actually when we were watching this episode and trying to figure out if it was signaling something if it was symbolic of something or if it was just a really cute little girl's sweater it could be either we have been known to overread stuff into this show in the past what no turns out she's actually uh you know athena See how amazing that would be? She was actually born out of Henry's forehead. Lucy looks at the picture of Henry and Regina, and she realizes that this means Ronnie is Regina, who is Henry's adopted mom, which makes total sense to her. Yeah, and then she, yeah, she figures out that Ronnie's supposed to be Regina, which I guess we were just kind of taken for granted, but, uh, because you'd think that the photo would look like the photos of the evil queen in the or the illustrations of the evil queen would look like ronnie in the book because that one illustration looked a lot like emma but oh no i wasn't even thinking that because we saw how terribly photoshopped they all were in the once upon a time book back in the previous seasons hmm. i mean the emma one was obviously less photoshopped so that it was emma but no i wasn't assuming we could recognize anyone's faces but uh it's kind of cute because Henry's like, it's obviously photoshopped, and Lucy's like, it's it's not, though. Like, it, like, like this is one of the old school, school photos. It would have taken different photo manipulation to get a old school photo, and also it doesn't look photoshopped at all. Yeah, Lucy is unperturbed by Henry's doubt at this point. This isn't that picture from uh, True Blood. 
You remember that picture of Sookie and her grandma? Okay, so, like, after, spoiler alert for True Blood, but after Sookie's grandma gets killed pretty early in season one, uh-huh. there's this picture of her with a young Sookie and young Tara that they show every so often. Uh-huh. But the thing is, they cast an actually older actress to play her grandma, so they do this weird facial smoothing thing Ooh. on the uh, photo, and it makes her look like a demon. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Maybe I blocked it out. Hmm. I mean, that's not really relevant here. The Photoshop they think is going on is, you know, that they took a picture of Ronnie and they took a picture of Henry as a kid and they photoshopped them together. Although, again, Ronnie never dressed like this. Well, they could have taken a picture of somebody dressed like that and photoshopped it all together. Photoshopped Ronnie's head over this different body. Yeah, which is a lot of work to do. And if you were going to do that much work, then maybe you would choose a scene that, like, wasn't in front of a generic street front. Why was it not in front of Grant? Which which is what makes me think it was just a photo from the set. Well, what's weird is I've seen set photos that look similar to that of the two of them in front of Granny's. Why not use that? I guess it's because they had to have the lunchbox in it. I don't... They could have photoshopped that in. We're probably spending too much time thinking about this. Well, maybe they should have spent a little more time composing the photo. So we cut from uh, Lucy being like, nah, that photo's real. Y'all need to, you know, get on my level. To uh, Hook visiting Rumpel in the hospital. Yep, Rumpel is checking out, but even though he needs to for insurance purposes, he refuses to sit in the wheelchair to be wheeled out of the hospital. Like, don't be a dick. Yeah, the nurse looks really frustrated with him. Like, clearly he's been a dick the whole time he's been there, because she's like, whatever, and just leaves the chair there and leaves. To be mild, he actually kicks it on his way out. To be mildly fair to Rumpel, he also, we assume, got his memories back. Yeah, he got his memories back. You know, when he got shot. Yeah. So, speaking of getting shot... Oh, it's so funny because he kicks the chair out of the way and then storms out of the room. And until he does that, you didn't even notice that Alice is sitting in the room. But Alice is sitting in the room the whole time. It's funny, she's in the corner and you can't see her until he kicks the wheelchair out of the way. And then Hook is like, okay, so I guess you're my informant now. What do, what do, what do we do? And she's like, you buy me lunch. And then she sits in the wheelchair. And he wheels her out of the room. Kind of a cute dynamic. It is a cute dynamic, especially because we're assuming she's probably his kid. Yeah, I think she's the missing daughter, definitely. We go back to uh, Henry, who's having lunch with Regina as they're walking down the street. Yeah, she took him to a pizza place. Uh, Remember when when adult Neil brought him to a pizza place back in... uh... Oh, I got so angry about that, didn't I? Yeah. Well, because he told him it was the best pizza place in New York. It was clearly not a good New York slice, which is funny because they're in Seattle now and he's eating what looks like a decent New York slice right now. Well, they were probably in Vancouver when they were shooting the New York pizza thing. Well, they were probably in Vancouver when they shot this. And it's a much better slice of pizza. So Henry asked Regina why she's been so quiet since Lucy came in and talked about, you know, the dynamic between Henry and the evil queen and the original once upon a time book that henry wrote and she's like it's just i i did actually try to adopt a kid once a long time ago and the paperwork nearly went through everything was on track and then something happened and they decided to not let me have the baby yeah so she went through that heartbreak 
And Henry tells her that she kind of mothers everyone in the neighborhood. So I guess that's something. Yeah. And Ronnie tells him that they should pretend to believe Lucy just for a while so that Lucy feels safe and that she can figure out the truth. Yes. On her own so that she can kind of get there on her own. Which makes Henry realize where Lucy must be. So he's ready to go. Operation Heartbreak. Yes, he calls it Operation Heartbreak. And she's like, what? And he's like, it's a thing from the book. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Operation Heartbreak. And she's like, that sounds dumb. And he's like, yeah, but it's a callback to earlier seasons. So just go with it. Also, Regina is wearing a shirt that says Rick James on it in heavy metal script. Rick James. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Rick James shirt. Did he do heavy metal? No, but it looks like it could definitely be one of his tour shirts. It's weird. It it it, it just has a real heavy metal aesthetic, and that's not something I associate with Rick James. Oh, I had, I had, I had no issue with that being, with that being a Rick James shirt. You know that thing. Ronnie's a super freak. You know that thing where people take pictures of uh, thorn bushes, and they're like. I don't recognize this heavy metal band because that's how all of the heavy metal band like logos are designed. I haven't seen that. That's funny. Yeah. It turns out that uh, Ronnie had brought Henry to the particular pizza place because it happened to be right by where Jacinda parked her van that she's fixing up to be a food van. Yep. So now she's going to send Henry in to... Do his thing. She tells him, don't slouch and be charming. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you can tell she can't remember. Right? (laughs) That was Tina's joke. I stole it. That's okay. So we cut back to Regina wearing, I feel like it's a slightly different outfit. It it looks similar, but. No, it's it's definitely the same outfit. Really? It had those kind of. Yeah. believe, Believe me. I spent a long time looking at the outfit. So is the part of a belt or is it part of her shirt? Because she's got the kind of what, what? the those oh, weird. That's part of the shirt. It's was there. It was things. there before. That's that's what I was referring to. Is that's what I was referring to as the uh, warrior princess skirt? Ah, oh, okay. Well, it's kind of a skirt on top of a skirt then. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's 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 not terrible. Actually, it looks great. But it's just there's a lot going on and none of it is Regina. She's got like these. These like fingerless opera gloves made out of leather, and she's wearing the half cape now. It's just it's it's a lot of look. So she sees this. She's wandering around the woods sadly because her son doesn't need her anymore. When she encounters a hooded figure, who's opening a mysterious box, a mysterious box that appears to be at the base of a crumbling tower. So hmm. I'm yeah. Exactly. I'm thinking that this is Rapunzel's tower, especially because this person is rooting around looking for magical items. And when we were first watching this episode, I was like, why are there just magical items lying around? But if it's the ruins of Rapunzel's tower, I guess it makes a little sense that there would be magical items lying around. Yeah. So the uh, box immediately goes full Feed Me Seymour. Yes, a giant man-eating plant leaps out of the box and entangles the hooded figure and then sprouts a giant like plant eating 
plant mouth. Plant mouth to consume the figure. And Regina's like, oh, shit, I guess I should save this person, especially since I couldn't save Henry before. It goes full Audrey 2 so quickly. But yes, uh, Regina just fries the plant. And lucky for her, it looks like she found a little lost puppy to take care of. Oh, yes, yes, it's, uh, it's Ivy, Drizilla. Yes, which at first Regina's like, God damn it, I should have just let the plant eat you. And Drizilla's like, no, I'm actually really sad and I have mommy issues. My mom doesn't love me and I just need, I need a new mom. Yeah, my mother doesn't love me and I'm in a forced marriage. Who could possibly understand my pain? And Regina's like, oh, this feels uncomfortably targeted towards my demographic. (laughs) Please erase this plot line. I'm in it and I don't like it. I do like how Regina's like, you're that girl who tried to kill my son. And she's like, yeah, but I was only doing it because of my mom. And Regina's like, oh, moms. And Drizilla also tells Regina that she was born with magic, but that her mother made her suppress it. So now she's trying to get other people's magic because no one will teach her to harness her magic, which is interesting because last week I was talking about how she's Regina, but I guess it seems like there's a little bit of Zelina in her too. Yes. I do, I do like how she's really obviously manipulating Regina, except it's not in that TV way where it's it should be really obvious to Regina. Like, yeah, well, she um, it's obvious to us with context, but in universe, she's being very convincing about. Yeah, we know that she's hitting all of Regina's buttons, but it's not. I mean, it's not even a lie. Nothing she actually says is even a lie. We just have the benefit of, you know... Context. Yes, a full 360 view of the situation. Normally when people are trying this sort of thing on TV, it's really obvious, though. And I do appreciate how straight the actress is playing this. Yeah, she's not being overly hammy with it. Which is a thing for Once Upon a Time to say. She's not chewing on the scenery here. Yeah, and it's good, which... I feel like that kind of takes Ivy into a different direction because a lot of the villains we like in this show are large ham villains, and she's just being very competent, which is nice. It's funny, Ivy is actually a bigger ham villain than Drizella. Yes. Speaking of Ivy... Actually, she's walking this really fine line where, you know, she's she's competent, but she's not all-powerful... And she's engaging without being hammy. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's a fair assessment. She's walking this really comfortable middle ground, which I feel like a lot of actors on Once Upon a Time don't ever really manage to hit. I'm sorry, go on. Well, it's just you interrupted a really good segue now. Now I can't segue again. Sorry. Speaking of Ivy... Back in Hyperion Heights, Ivy has brought Mother Gothel a bag of dirt. Oh, right. She asked for that earlier. Yeah. It is fertile ground. And it's from the community garden. Uh, I guess it's full of belief. Mm -hmm. And Mother Gothel sprinkles some of the Hyacinthia petals into the fertile ground. And something grows. A plant grows there. I do really like this. I like how magic, they've been doing a lot of stuff with magic being smaller this season. 
which I like a lot. We saw it last episode with Dr. Facilier, and we're seeing it a bit here. I know it's probably here because we're in the land without magic, but it's not showy. It's this very small thing where she just presses the petals into the dirt, and then she just does this hand stuff over it where she's, like, coaxing this plant up and out. Well, it's much more hedge magic, which is what you kind of want with old school fairy tales so it really if you'll excuse the expression feels like they're getting back to their roots here Ah, yes it's just nice having magic that isn't just you know zelina pointing at a sword and suddenly it can control merlin yeah oh my god don't why would you even bring that up sorry i hear that zelina does show up back again later really yeah okay okay or adult robin does that's interesting yeah we'll see if that's true (laughs) ivy takes some of the thorny petals off of this belief plant and says that she's going to give them to regina and see if regina is as strong as she thinks she is and of course mother gothel warns her to be careful Hmm. so we cut from that to henry pulling from that movie where john uh pulling from that movie where john cusack seduces that girl by hurling a boombox through her window say anything yes lloyd dobler sure yeah you have to date me now Uh, okay we can we can talk about say anything later off the air but yes he shows up with a boombox over his head to seduce jacinda i do like how jacinda's like what is this and he's like it's a reference to say anything she's like no i know what it is what are you doing here i get references and his his speech to her kind of veers into awful territory he tries to seduce her through he tries to seduce her through mansplaining yeah he's explaining like how cool the 80s were with John Hughes movies and new wave music and okay but he, he saves it for me when he says that the last time he dated the way to win a girl over was to make mixtapes I like that he kind of brought it back around to I haven't done this in a long time so this is this is my move uh, he's he's doing it he's like I want to explain things to you like why English beat is a good band and why pancakes are excellent dessert and she's like no I get what you're doing and he's like and you know why we should date and he's like Okay, you're lucky you're cute enough to pull this off. Right? Because if you were not cute, then this would be really uncomfortable. But it's in the zone where you are cute enough and it is not creepy enough, so it's a romantic gesture. Yes, but she does tell him, nonetheless, she is a single mom with a new business and she has no time and he tells her that's great because he's basically only semi-employed so he can just fit in wherever she has an opening yeah she's he's like <laughs> she has it. oh god yes he's like that's fine by me i i'm a swift driver who makes a small amount of money from a book i published so uh yeah you you if if you have space to fit me in i can just slide in wherever and she's like okay i really like their dynamic it's really cute she tells him she has time right now that he can if he can help her fix her car her food truck i guess 
And he's like, yes. And then she turns away and he does the John Bender from Breakfast Club. Yeah. Fist pump. Yeah. But he does it when her back is turned. But he does it when her back is turned and then puts his arm down embarrassed when she turns back to look at him. So who was he making that reference for? Himself. I mean, are we all just making references for ourselves? She also, she tells him, mixtapes always work. They've got such good chemistry, which is so weirdly not always a thing on this show. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, it's kind of cute because she uh, she hands him the same socket wrench that he handed her. Yeah, I noticed that we were watching it, right? Yeah, to murder yeah. that guy. Yeah, except this time it's to fix the food truck. So we go from that to Lucy in her bedroom. Her bedroom at her mom's place, though, not at victoria's she goes to the closet and is dejected by what she fails to find there but ronnie comes in and is like ah i knew you'd be here and lucy says yeah back in the original timeline henry found a magic book that helped him convince people that fairy tales were real in mary margaret's closet uh snow white and Regina's like I don't know why but i'm just really irritated all of a sudden yeah whenever i hear I, I don't know why i know snow white is a common fairy tale but it just it makes me mad and lucy's like yeah i thought if i could find that book then maybe you'd actually believe and regina's like and ronnie's like well i mean i i, I do believe and Lucy, I, I do like that Lucy calls her out. Lucy's like, no, you're, you're humoring me. I can tell the difference between you humoring me and you actually taking this seriously. Ronnie tells her she would like to believe. She'd like to believe that she used to be a queen and that she used to be a mother. So she says, well, let's let's find proof. Let's go do it. Yeah, she. I, I do like how on the level they're both being here. Because Lucy's like, I don't want you to humor me. And Ronnie's like, I will take this seriously i don't believe it now but i would like to and i don't want to come off like i'm being condescending to you and so they decide to work together so lucy can build her case operation alarm clock they don't say that they do not say that so meanwhile we're getting kind of a redo of the whole regina teaching emma magic back in like season three four yeah but this time she's teaching drizella and I love uh, Drizella gives up so quickly. She's levitating this boulder and kind of spinning it, but she's like, "It's not working. This is all I can do." And I'm like, "That seems pretty impressive for lesson one, right?" Well, we don't know what lesson this is. This could be lesson like twenty. I- I'm assuming. I mean, they're still standing at the same place, and I guess you're right. Drizella's I- wearing a different outfit. Regina's not, but Drizella is. Hmm. So Regina remembered what worked for Emma, and that's eminent death yes so regina magics a piece of the wall of the tower so that it's gonna fall down and crush her and ivy magics it away before it kills regina which is a lot of faith to put in drizella i'm assuming regina has some sort of projection charm in case it doesn't work out maybe maybe it's true regina is pretty hardcore so so now Drizella is like fully magicked up. I guess that's all it took. And now they have to talk about why Drizella shouldn't try to kill her mother. And Regina's all like, I know from trying to kill your mother. I, 
I was so mad at my mother that I cast the dark curse. And Drizella's like, the what? And Regina's like, don't worry about it. It's just a way to torture your worst enemy forever. But it's bad. Don't do the thing that would torture your worst enemy forever. It didn't work. I mean, I did eventually find happiness and get everything I ever wanted, but definitely don't do that. Yeah, I mean, it didn't work. I was I was really happy with it for the first, like, five years or so, and then I went out and found something else that made me happy, really happy. So I did kind of both get my revenge and manage to live happily ever after, but don't cast the dark curse. And Drizelle's like, hmm. Dark curse, you say? <laughs> but they're interrupted when Rumple, who has weirdly good hair, shows Yeah, he up. looks good in that shot. This is Rumple from after the Beauty and the Beast episode that we watched a few weeks ago, by the way. Yeah, this is a Rumple who's like 90 years older than everyone else because he lived that whole life with Belle. Yeah, in like a pocket dimension where time didn't pass. Yeah, or, or time passed differently or it was outside of time or something. Yeah. We, so, you know, that's why he's the same age as everyone else now. I mean, also, he's the dark one. That too. Back in Hyperion Heights, Ronnie brings some alcohol to Rumple because, sure, why not? Well, she's going to ask him a favor. So she's going to lubricate his goodwill first. With, like, a, a, I guess a bottle of alcohol is as good as anything. So she's like, look, I need you to do me a solid apparently uh, there's some lady named regina mills who adopted a kid i want you to get the records for that i don't know the exact year and he's like okay what am i getting out of this and she's like i'll owe you a favor and he's like would you say that we have a deal and she's like i guess and he's like no that that's that's my thing come on (laughs) Say we have a deal. Come on. I need to hear it. Say my catchphrase. So Alice brings Hook to her weird living space. Yes, her weird living space. I was going to call it an apartment, but it, it's not really. It's no, a, it's like a it's a shed to. she's squatting in by a train. Yeah. Yeah. So she tells, so she has the chessboard set up and she wants to Hook to play some chess with her. Well, they talk about what happened with the missing girl from 10 years ago. She says playing games helps her think. And helps her stay focused. Yeah. She asks, uh, she asks Hook to tell her about Eloise Gardner, the missing girl. And Hook's like, I mean, she was basically your very generic teen girl until she disappeared. Also, she drew this magic sigil all over her book, her diary. I guess she needed some sort of protection. And Alice is like, are you sure that wasn't just the thing where all teen girls are briefly witches? <laughs> oh, accurate. She tells Hook that he needs to pay attention to the game board, which, by the way, when they sat down, he asked if she wanted to reset it, and she told him no. It's always more fun to start in the middle of something. But she tells him to look at the game board and see what pieces he already has. What pieces he's not paying attention to. Have you seen the movie Being There? No. Peter Sellers plays this character who uh, is very childlike and says things all of the time that are literal, but everyone interprets them as being these really deep philosophical zen cones. 
is this the Charlize Theron in Arrested Development thing? It's exactly like that. In fact, the part where she walks across the pool at the end of that one episode is a re- is a direct reference to being there because that's how being there ends. Ah. Uh. With him just walking into the ocean and walking out across the water. Spoilers for being there? Sounds kind of artsy for me. It's... Actually, I think you might like it. All right. I trust your recommendations. So Ronnie's at her bar when Weaver shows up and she's like, wow, I wasn't really expecting to see you so soon. We literally only had one scene since I asked you to find the information for me and you already have the information for me? Seriously. I do like how there's just some guy with khakis sitting in the background. Yeah, he's like having, it's it's the morning. So he's eating like breakfast in a bar, which, okay, whatever, I guess that's fine. Well, I mean, it's good for Ronnie. Yeah, that's true. So, uh... Rumple's like, yeah, so I immediately found her because, you know... I'm the police and I have access to all of the police databases? I have police Google. Which is called LexisNexis. Mm. So I literally just put in Regina Mills and got all this information. So here you go. Civil liberties. Yeah. Expectation of... I mean, I guess nobody really expects privacy anymore, so... Yeah. And Ronnie's like, thanks for doing me the favor. And he's like, it's a favor that's going to be returned, so don't thank me yet. Yeah. Just remember, you owe me a favor. We go back to, uh, we go back to Regina and Mr. Gold Rumple talking about everything that went down in his life since. Yeah, basically just recapping for anybody who might have skipped that Beauty and the Beast episode, which I wouldn't blame you. So... Spark notes, uh, Bell dead. He doesn't want to be the Dark One anymore. He says he's going to get rid of his Dark One powers the right way, which I don't know what the right way is to get rid of the Dark One powers. Shooting himself into space. But then space would be the Dark One. Well, it's not like space would stab him with a dagger. He'd just be floating frozen in the atmosphere for... Oh, right, because he wouldn't die from going off into space because he's the dark one. Yeah. Interesting. I Interesting. mean, it would and be like they... hell. Well, then they would discover him later, like in Jason X. Like... <laughs> just frozen corpse. Except well, alive. No, no, they'd bring him onto a spaceship and oh, be God. like... Like in Jason X. Yeah, like in Jason X. That movie is more fun than it has any right to be, but it also... Takes the brave stance that everyone in the future will be very, very stupid. Yeah, I mean, everyone in horror movies is pretty stupid. They trap him in the virtual environment, then leave. That wasn't bright. I do like how that guy got his arm cut off, and then they just get him a new arm because it's the future. Yes! The Friday the 13th series is kind of crap, but... Wow, bold words. I mean... I don't feel like that's a strong statement to make. Who liked Jason Goes to Hell? No one likes Jason Goes to Hell. Who liked Jason Goes to Manhattan for like 15 minutes at the end of the movie? Mostly it takes place on a boat. I was actually just watching an interesting video about that movie and how it's... uh, uh, Wait, no, it wasn't that one. It It was one of the Nightmare movies. Never mind, no one likes that movie. 
was it the was it about the nightmare on elm street where it's super gay because that's the second one yes it was about the second nightmare movie and how like the writer was gay and it's explicitly gay and yeah it's a super gay movie the other movies kind of ignore it but eh. but back in once upon a time Rumple tells Regina that she should be careful about training up Ivy because Ivy's mother is super evil just like Cora was. And so just like Cora, it's unlikely that Ivy is doing anything that isn't part of Victoria's bigger plan. Yeah, he's like, it seems to me kind of like you're just powering up one of uh, one of Victoria's pawns. Yeah. Or Lady Tremaine's pawns. He, he doesn't say this, but also he has some experience in the whole female apprentice inevitably stabs you in the back department it's true he does like more than a little like literally every woman he's ever trained oh back in the back at the training tower regina and drizella are looking at one of her magic mirrors and seeing what victoria is actually up to and she appears to be practicing ripping out ivy's heart like, she's ripping it out and then putting it back in. Yeah, she's checking to see how pure Ivy's heart is while she sleeps by ripping it out. Oh, I thought she was just practicing the ripping out the heart move. So that when the time came, she could do it super fast. Because Regina tells Ivy that what Lady Tremaine needs to do is rip out the heart and then rip out someone else's heart. And then take the purity out of that heart and put it into Anastasia's heart, and then put Anastasia's heart back in, and then she'll wake up and be alive again. Yeah. And That's what's going on, right? I, I guess it seems weird that she thinks Drizella's heart would be good enough to fix the other daughter's heart. Okay, well, Drizella makes that assumption, but I see no indication from Lady Tremaine that that's what she planned. Yeah, I, I guess maybe she could have... Theoretically, she could have just been practicing ripping out hearts on her sleeping daughter. Yeah, I think that's what she was doing. God. Ugh. Dark. But, yeah, Drizella, yeah, but as you said, Drizella is convinced that her mother's going to use her heart like that Nicholas Sparks book about the family that had the daughter who was sick, so then they had a second daughter to be a a bone marrow donor. And then she had to sue her parents to make them not do that. Is that a Jodie Picoult? You're right. It wasn't Nicholas Sparks. I apologize to Nicholas Sparks in the abstract for thinking that was him. It was Jodie Picoult, and it's terrible. Yeah, Nicholas Sparks is more like, you know that, uh, you know that meme about the, like, bad Facebook romantic story? Yeah. Well, I mean, that is Nicholas Sparks. Yeah. I'll love you five ever. Or that girl who was upset that her boyfriend wasn't going to be there for her heart transplant. And then when she wakes up, it turns out that he wasn't there because he gave her his heart. (laughs) Have you seen that one? Yes, I've seen that. I love those. They're all written really badly. Facebook memes, which are basically like repackaged email forwards, are kind of the best. You just gotta slap it over a minion now, I'll tell you to do it. But yes, it, no, that is that is the soul of Nicholas Sparks, right? Yeah, Jody Picoult is more issuesy. Yeah, yeah. It's this is something Jody Picoult read about in, you know, Scientific America or it's in the news a lot recently, so she's gonna do a book about it. 
She's gonna... Yeah, Jodi Picoult's more like Twitter giving the worst possible take. Yes. Because in that one, which I want to say is called The Other Sister, but I wouldn't swear to it. My Sister's Keeper? Yes, My Sister's Keeper. Yeah, like, in the end, the sister sues to have the right to have her parents not pull out her bone marrow all the damn time. And then she wins, and then she's hit by a car because she needs to be punished for not wanting to save her sister's life through multiple painful, uh, you know, bone marrow transplants. And then because she was hit by a car and dies, her kidneys go to save her sister anyway, and that's the happy ending for everyone. Oh my god. <laughs> my god. I didn't make it up. That's what happens. That's really fucked up. <laughs> oh my god. Ugh. Are you... <laughs> yeah! She's like everyone's worst Twitter take. When people go on Twitter with, like, terrible hot takes, that's Jodi Picoult. I liked the Tenth Circle, but it wasn't like that. My, my I... Sister's Keeper is a terrible story. The Tenth Circle is good, but it also isn't, like, a moral story. Like, it sounds like My Sister's Keeper was a moral story. Ivy doesn't want to use her heart to bring Anastasia back to life. I don't think that's an issue. I don't think that's what Lady Tremaine's after, but I guess it is because it's how this show continues. Sure. And Regina's like, it's cool. Like, don't worry. I know a spell that makes it impossible for people to rip out your heart. And Drill and Drizelle's like, no, I know what I have to do. I have to get my prince to stop her. And she runs off as she's running off. She's like, Pay really close attention to the way I said that. It's important the way I said that. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in Hyperion Heights, Hook is trying to figure out what pieces he already has. And he realizes one of the pieces is that guy that they interrogated at the prison last week, who was starting to fight in a bar, but also had a tattoo of the sigil that Eloise... It's Eloise, right? Yeah, Eloise. That Eloise was drawing in her book, so he's like, oh, maybe I better go interrogate him some more. She's obviously at that one super fancy hotel in New York. The Plaza. The Plaza. Yeah. So he breaks into the guy's house only to find him dead? Yeah, he's definitely dead. The camera, like, zooms in on the sigil on his arm, like, it's definitely the same guy, which I wouldn't have doubted if they hadn't zoomed in on the sigil. Yeah, now I just think they couldn't get the actor back. Oh, I thought maybe it was going to be, like, some other guy who also had the sigil, and there was going to be, like, a whole group of guys who had sigils. Oh, or that. I, I called... When we were talking about Buffy, I think it was last episode or a couple episodes ago, uh-huh. I referred to those knights that she killed a whole bunch of in season five as the Knights of Byzantine. That wasn't their name. I always feel bad because I do that with Buffy, where I mix up the fake stuff that they put in. Like, I always get the Dagon Sphere confused with the, uh... Spear of Destiny? No, the Orb of Thessala. Oh. The Orb of Thessala is what they use to, uh, put Angel's soul back. The Dagon Sphere is the sphere that, uh, deflects glory. But I get them mixed up, like, every time I reference them on our podcast, and I don't realize it. Oh, I thought you meant you mixed up fake things from Buffy with real things in reality. Well, well, I did in that case, because, you know... Byzantine knights are a real thing. They were like the order of some crap. I don't remember. There's this great story on one of the Buffy commentaries about uh, the, one of the writers is talking about how hard it was for them to come up with demon names. And he was really proud of the uh, name he came up with for the snake demon that was in that frat 
uh, basement uh-huh. until a few months later, uh, his cat threw up and he went to get, uh, you know, he got his wet vac out of the closet and it was the name of the company that made his wet vac. Oh, well, I mean, I always have trouble coming up with demon and fantasy names when I'm doing like role-playing games and stuff. So I, I feel them. I feel them there. Well, you just take ordinary words, break them in half and mix them up. Yeah, that works. Also, I wouldn't feel too bad about accidentally naming your demon after a shop vac, given that just last weekend we watched an entire 90s action movie that was based on somebody getting really excited when they saw the brand of hairdryer they had just bought. Con Air? Yeah. Oh my god. Wow. What other possible origin could there be for that movie? Clearly somebody bought a hairdryer and was like, Con Air. And they were stoned at the time. Con Air. This is like a prison transport plane. Because, also, just FYI, there's no such thing as prison transport planes. You don't put all of the prisoners on a plane at the same time like that. Well, not after Con Air came out. So, uh... Back at the bar, Ronnie's looking at the paperwork for Regina Mills' adoption of Henry Mills... And she notices that Regina Mills' signature is her signature. And that she is, in fact, Regina Mills. Also, this seems like it would be a good thing to bring up to Henry, who is still Henry Mills in this universe. Right? Like, that doesn't seem weird to... I mean, obviously it does seem weird to her because she's freaked out that it's her handwriting and, you know... Well, I mean, let's finish... Well, I mean, let's finish up the episode, because she only is freaked out for about two minutes before she knows everything, so. Yeah. So. Look at that square-jawed specimen of a human. Yeah, see, they can they can cast attractive dudes sometimes. Eh, no, his face isn't right to me, but he is square-jawed. So, uh, so, Gisela, back in the flashback, brings her prince to confront her mother. Yeah, she's like, hey... My mother wants to rip out my heart. Go stop her. And the prince is about to stab Lady Tremaine when Regina shows up to freeze him and is like, don't do this. Don't kill your mother. And Lady Tremaine's like, wait, what? Yeah. I like how Lady Tremaine was just caught completely off guard by this entire situation. Oh, we should mention that while this entire thing is going on, she's like standing over Anastasia's dead body. Yeah. So... Uh, so Giselle's like, I was always a disappointment. Nothing I ever did was good enough for you. And Lady Tremaine's like, yeah, accurate. Regina's like, don't kill your mother. You'll regret it. And Ivy's like, you're not really picking up on my plan here, are you? Yeah. She says that she didn't bring the prince here to kill her mother. She brought him here for something else altogether. And then she uses magic to kill the prince she makes the vine she makes the leaf of this orchid like turn into a giant tentacle stab him through the heart and then retract back into the orchid which oh i feel like we could write a whole long gender studies paper on that also i just want to say this family is directly responsible for killing the next two people in line for the throne in this country yeah good point like Maybe stop inviting them to parties. <laughs> Definitely. And don't don't try to marry any of them. And Regina's like, why did you do that? And Giselle's like, because my heart's tainted now. She can't use it for the heart transfer thing. And Lady Tremaine's like, 
Uh, okay. Yeah, right? And then Drazilla's like, you know what, Mom? Regina was a better mom to me than you ever were. She taught me that the best thing to do is cast a dark curse to get revenge. And Regina's like, I feel like you're missing the the point of that story. Like, like that that wasn't a pro, that was a con. And Drizella's like, I guess you just didn't tell it very well. Then Drizella gives her whole speech to Lady Tremaine about how she's going to take her to another realm and plant a seed of pain. And then that pain seed will blossom into a pain flower. And then that pain flower will become a pain tree that will live for thousands of years. And then pain bees will come and pollinate the pain tree. They'll cross-pollinate the pain tree with the regret flowers. And then it'll just be a whole pain gret thing. Pain ecosystem. She's going to build her an ecosystem of pain. There you go. So Regina's like, sweetie, sweetie, that is a terrible idea. I've been through this so many times. It's not going to work out the way you think it is. Regina tells her that a hero will always show up and break the curse. And Drizella's like, that's okay. I'm glad you told me that. Now I know I'll make my curse unbreakable. I'll just call no breaksies. <laughs> And she teleports out, and Lady Tremaine shoots Regina the side eye. Like, really, bitch? Really? I I do like how much Lady Tremaine has fallen from being the big bad of this show in just a couple of episodes. Yeah, now she's just, like, the beleaguered mom. This is what I have to deal with. Do you see what I put up with? Meanwhile, back in Hyperion Heights, Ivy shows up at Ronnie's bar because it is just the place to be today, I guess. Seriously. So much foot traffic. I know, right? Well, that's Seattle for you. That's gentrification for you. Mm. By the way, did we mention mention that we went to the troll statue on the air? I I don't think we did. I I said, uh, we said we were going to, but we actually did see the troll statue in real life. And let me tell you, let me tell you, dear listeners... Hyperion Heights is already gentrified. Yeah, it was in a very, very fancy neighborhood. I can't tell if they just, like, built a version of it somewhere else, or if they just kind of shot around the very nice neighborhood the troll statue's in for the bits we've seen with it so far. I think that they... I I think they shot there, but the shots that are... The shots that are Rumpel talking to Alice when she's on top of the statue... Whatever he's standing in front of is not what is on the other side of the troll statue, so they shot those at a different location. Also, I didn't realize it from the TV show, but the troll has grabbed a Volkswagen Beetle in its hand. Which is amazing, because it fits so well with Once Upon a Time, but it can't be anything but a coincidence. They couldn't possibly have been thinking about that when they gave Emma a Beetle. I know they weren't, because it's... Yeah, because Seattle nothing to do with and also it's it's herbie the love bug yeah but here is this seattle statue with a troll grabbing a beetle it's so perfect that really fell right in their laps it really did it's like that was a freebie yeah so drizella is behind ronnie's bar and she's mixing up drinks which you'd think ronnie would have more issues with but she thinks they're bros now maybe well Well, she actually pulls out the most expensive bottle of whiskey to pour them both whiskey. And 
And Ronnie actually says, this better be good. As in, like, you've tapped into the good stuff. You better have some amazing piece of information for us. And Ivy's like, well, it's not really an amazing piece of information I have. It's more, we're toasting to the conclusion of your little quest. Because I needed you to know things. And now you do. And now you're going to know more things, which is good. And Ronnie's like, are you talking weird or am I drugged? And Ivy's like, it's both. It's actually cool because they do the like time slowing down thing from Ronnie's point of view. She says, did you put something in my drink? And then she has this quick flashback where she remembers her entire life from the last six seasons and then she's just back it's one of those quick cut montages yes it's nice i i still think the uh they set the bar way too high with the david mary margaret evil queen one that was a great all of our true love montage montages but this is a really good way to know that uh you know it's back that Regina is back. Yes, Regina is awake now, and she immediately tries to force choke Ivy, who's like, uh, world without magic. Well, de minimis magic, it. since I just used magic to wake you up, but other than that, no magic. Yeah, she's like, look, there's just enough magic in this town for me to brew a little potion to wake you up, but see, I need you, I need a woman on the inside. Because Henry and Lucy and Jacinda are getting close to doing something that might end up breaking the curse. Well, she's worried about True Love's kiss. She's worried about True Love's kiss. Because Henry and Jacinda are getting close now, so that means Henry and Cinderella are going to kiss any second, and, you know. I guess none of Jacinda kissing Lucy counts for True Love's kiss. I guess not. This is one of the forms where it needs to be romantic, maybe. I don't know. But Ivy reminds Regina of something that we don't know, which honestly, I find this part a little annoying. It's a little, it is the once upon a time little irritating thing where, as you know, the thing that we're not going to talk about is the thing that's going to keep the plot moving forward. But But something happened in the past that is making Regina invested in not breaking this curse. My assumption is that everyone was on the edge of death when she cast the curse, and that if the curse is broken, everyone will return to being dead. Like, that's what I assume is happening. Yeah, maybe, but uh, at the same time, remember, David got stabbed by one of her guards at the beginning of the initial dark curse. Like, he was dying. Ah, but remember, no one who works here cares about continuity. Especially when it comes to how curses work. True. So, Ivy's basically, because of that thing, I know that you're going to be invested in keeping this curse up, or you're going to lose the people you love. So you need to get back with Henry, get back with Jacinda, keep doing what you're doing. My pain seeds are finally sprouting on my mother, so all you need to do is keep the curse going and until the pain plant grows. She tells Regina that she just needs to keep Henry and Cinderella apart, which should be easy because the evil queen is good at breaking hearts, which is not a thing the evil queen is known for, but whatever, Ivy. Her mom ripped out people's hearts, which is... Yeah, her mom, Cora. She's not Cora. 
Also, she ripped them out and kept them in boxes. Yeah, because she was the Queen of Hearts. Mm. So we do get kind of a nice scene with Henry and Regina in the flashback uh, after her whole apprenticeship has gone horribly wrong where he sees her and she's all sad and he's like, so what happened? And she's like, I just, you don't need me anymore. I did, I made a major mistake because you're not the little kid who needs my help. And he's like, I'm always going to need your help. It just, it takes different forms when you're an adult. You need, you always need people. You just don't need them in the same ways you used to. He tells Regina that she's the first person who ever loved him, which is such a sweet thing, although not accurate, but that's okay. Yeah. Emma loved him enough to give him his best chance. Yes. Also, she didn't love you until you believed she loved you and therefore rewrote reality because you have the heart of the truest believer, but that's okay. We won't worry about that either. According to some theories. According to some theories. But it's, it's a really nice moment between the two of them. And she points out, she's like, I just, I need, it's important to me to know that I'm still a part of your life. And he's like, yeah, you're always going to be a part of my life. You're my mom. It's a good mother-son, son growing up, mother-son trying to figure out what their relationship means now scene. So we cut from that to, are we still going to be calling her Ronnie? She's we Regina now. We could barely keep it straight when she was, when there was a delineation. So let's just go with Regina now. We're going to simplify it. Ron Gina. <laughs> No. No. Regina is on a bench in Seattle. Sadly looking at the picture of her and Henry. And Henry comes over and she's like, hey, sit down and tell me about your life. I really want to know about your life because I'm interested in you in a motherly fashion, even though I'm not your mother, I guess. And he's like, well, so uh, I was born in prison, like the main character in my book, because, you know, obvious self-insert. And I grew up in the system and he's like, and Ronnie's like, like Emma. And then she covers and is like, ah, uh, because I read your book. And he's like, ah, oh, you read my book. Uh. Which is weird because she obviously hadn't read his book that morning. So this implies that she went off, bought the book, read the book in like four hours. Well, maybe she just got far enough into it to know Emma's backstory. Okay, that's fair. That is, I assume, pretty early on in the book. But he never got adopted, he never had a mom, and that's why he gave his character two moms. Which, alright. He also says it used to bother him that nobody liked his book, but then he got used to it and was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna write whatever I want anyway. Which I feel like is a self-insert from the writers of this show. Hmm. Because it's like, at some point, whenever I talk to people about this show, whenever I tell them that we do a podcast about this show, they tell me one of two things. They either say, oh, I stopped watching in the Peter Pan season, or, oh, I stopped watching in the Frozen season. Mm. One of those two things are is said to me. Which is weird, because we were really into the Frozen season. I liked the Frozen season. I get quitting the Peter Pan season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I do like the idea that the writers were like, ah, fuck it. We're just going to write whatever we want. You yeah. suckers can just take it. Honestly, I think it's a solid piece of advice about writing in general. Write for you, not for other people. Yeah, and I mean, there is an audience for everything. And if you just, if you write what you want to read, you will find an audience, even if it's not mass appeal. I mean, look at Chuck Tingle. Oh, Chuck Tingle. Look at Chuck Tingle. So just to wrap up this scene, Regina's all like, oh, I'm so glad I got to know you because 
we can form this mother-son bond, even though I'm not your mother and you're not my son, as far as you know. Hmm. And that's the end of the episode. So, uh, I really like this episode. Honestly, uh, I know, again, I'm cursing us, but I really feel like they're finding their rhythm with this new Once Upon a Time. It was kind of a rough start, but I feel like they're falling into a really good pace. Yeah, yeah, they're, um... They're figuring out what they want to do with this reboot season. And we're kind of past the awkward establishing stuff bits. Thank goodness. I'm so glad. The more people wake up, the better I... The, thank goodness. The more people wake up, the better it gets. Um, Next week is going to be episode 7, Eloise Gardner. Hmm. And the Netflix description says... Hook tangles with a dark magic on his quest for revenge. Oh, God, it's a Hook getting revenge episode. Oh, God, it's a Hook episode. In Hyperion Heights, Roger's obsession with Eloise Gardner leads to a shocking discovery. Oh, God, it's a double Hook episode. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, Fashion Corner? Can we talk about anything other than Regina's outfit? I don't know what they were going for. Like, it didn't look bad, but it's not in character for regina at all it's it's honestly not really in character for this show like you said it's a real xena outfit but i also kind of love it oh and also not like an outfit xena would wear like an outfit an evil person in xena would wear it was weirdly evil coded for you know now that regina's not evil anymore Hmm. yeah uh, so do you have a re- any recommendations? Okay, so this is weird because my recommendation doesn't have to do with this episode. Mm-hmm. It has to do with last week. All right. Because in the Facebook group, uh, one of one of the people in the Facebook group, Ryan, said that he had thought that we might recommend the, the Marvel Cloak and Dagger series since it takes place in New Orleans and is a good New Orleans show that, like, incorporates the heavy catholicism and also the magical history of new orleans with the kind of superhero modern day story that they're telling Hmm. and that might have been my recommendation had i seen it at the time but i didn't watch it till this morning and it's so good i'm so into it cool it is actually making me want to read the comics i've never been a cloak and dagger person i only know them from their appearances in the runaways I feel like they might not have aged great. I feel like they're really specifically New York in the 80s comics. Yeah, I think it's not going to hold up. I think I'm going to be disappointed when I read the comics, but I'm still going to pick them up. I actually went to check. I was like, is there a current running series, like the equivalent of Matt Fraction's Hawkeye version of Cloak and Dagger? Because I would be into that, but it... It, there's not so i'm going to be reading the series from the 80s or david walker's excellent power man and iron fist series uh, that came out pretty recently yeah uh, i didn't have anything off the top of my head i feel like we've recommended so much cinderella stuff in the past if you want to tell max what he should have recommended you should join our facebook group which yeah. is welcome to television yes that definitely up i was I was thinking Ever After, but I'm like, is this a good episode to tie into Ever After? Eh, this doesn't it's... really feel Ever after to me. Yeah. No, I don't have anything. I feel like I should. There was a lot of material to work with, you know, mother and son books, evil apprentice books, but just... Nothing, nothing called out to you? Nothing called out to me. Well, that's okay. Well, it's, uh, like I said, 
tell us what our recommendations should have been and, and maybe we'll give them next week i'm sure there's some story about i don't know morgana and mordred that would work oh yeah yeah so that's going to do it for this week. Yeah, that'll do it for this week. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, head over to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, and Rosa. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode... You can head over to our Facebook group, search for Welcome to Television on Facebook. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrook. Sunset, sunrise, sunset, sweetly low.